3: fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, a goal. Mike Redding's foul. Bar post for Shearer. Goal. McLaughlin has it. Oh, a deflection. And a goal. That's to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Huddle. Taylor has scored. And that's surely. Oh my, yes, the autumn! Parkin,
0: Austin
2: Gagan! Yes! New bat! New bat! 2-0 Swindon! Danny Ward! I will win this league anyway! Richard, he's hit it! It's Craigley! Harlan Doyle strikes again! The extraordinary is becoming the ordinary for Scotchwine!
0: Ben. Hello, Rich. I was I was gonna say something about buses that in terms of your reappearance on the pod, but I don't think it quite worked. But it's lovely to have you on again.
1: (laughs) It's good to be back. It's very rare that I do two aways in a row. So yeah, as as much as the last uh, appearance I did was a home game, it's very weird that I've been at the last two away games, and so I can talk about enough humpton away. And we did plenty of away games as we were saying. Um, our fair, that we, we did plenty of away games when I was back during the Welland season that uh, neither of us went to. So it's good that we're doing an away game Really, at least one of us has been this time.
0: I'm not fully comfortable with you saying that to uh, to <laughs> listeners, to be honest. Um, you know, our secret shame. Um, <laughs> but just it's just great to have you on again, Ben, although using Zoom, it takes a hit on our audio quality. So apologies um, if, if the audio isn't as tippity-top, but
1: I think it's fine. I am unaware, but hopefully, hopefully uh, that can be addressed and sadly Skype is clearly the uh, better product. But, uh, but there you go, 2021 is uh, is making us do a lot of different and new things, so it's just one of them.
0: We've got to do other things. So
1: Ben, pray tell, what's taking you to these away days? <laughs> I think it's mainly uh, influenced by other people. So I've got, I've got a mate who normally goes to Marine, but certainly the last two games they had uh, like a competition that uh, Supermarine were not particularly taken seriously, kind of their equivalent to the EFL Trophy, that's all me at Stevenage. And then this week, uh, it was FA Cup weekend, and Supermarine were already out of the FA Cup, so uh, my mate who normally goes to them was uh, more willing to go to Swindon away and like giving us lifts and stuff like that. So, so, yeah, I don't think I'm making a habit of it, but certainly the last two away games I've been to, and went it's two back-to-back, one-all draws. So, uh Uneventful, but uh, not defeat. So that's that's something, I guess.
0: Your friend is on the Morphuni hype train. That's all I heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, he who isn't these days? And I still haven't tried a Morphuni for which is Disappointing, but uh, we <laughs> live and learn. We do. Let's start the
0: pod in slightly sad um, fashion with the passing away of Jimmy Greaves, who for many people won't see the link with Swindon Town, but when Swindon uh, got demoted from the top flight without even playing in the top flight in 1990, although he wasn't the only high profile football personality to be outraged with Swindon's demotion, I think, especially for those who don't remember the the demotion in 1990 weren't alive during then the image of him on St. and Greavesy wearing a Swindon supporters are innocent t-shirt is kind of iconic in many ways. So you know, you yourself been a uh, a also Chelsea fan. A sad day for English football.
1: Yeah, it is. I think it was typical. Is the wrong word, but it was it's kind of fitting that that the first real game that was uh, broadcast after his passing was Tottenham versus Chelsea, where he's a legend at, at both clubs. So that that was that was fitting, I guess. And yeah, sadly, I am. Um, both too young for his playing career and his punditry career with St Groosey. but um, it takes a certain kind of person to make a, a mark on the game, both in playing and punditry. There's not many that manage that. It's probably only really Jimmy Hill and Gary Lennicka that are in that clan as well. So yeah, to be a, 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 both a legend in in two different um, you know varieties of, of the sport is quite impressive. And sadly, both of them are before my time, but anyone who's been sort of alive in the past, Decade or so has been aware of the the impact he's had on the game, and, and he's always mentioned, given his his goal scoring record as well. So, so yeah, sadly, I missed out on much of the the good times about his about his life, but his legacy certainly lives on.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, I vaguely remember the tail end of Saint and Greasy. I'm a little bit too young for the heyday, but I, I remember his spitting image character more than his actual punditry on Saint and Greasy, which probably due to my just absolutely ridiculous fear of a uh, spitting image when i was a child it gave me horrific nightmares the chicken song ben oh my goodness that gave me nightmares
1: again i, I apologize to age our listeners but i'm also too young um, for the original spitting image i wouldn't recommend watching the new one either because i've seen a couple one that is not good so um if you've got any fears about the original don't watch the new one because it has not improved on the uh the puppets the least of your concerns when it comes to spinners. scary, <laughs>
0: absolutely petrifying. Okay, let's talk about Swindon Town's away day at Northampton Town. First of all, Ben did did you did you check over and over again to make sure it was a two p.m. kickoff because it 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 was throwing me throughout the day.
1: <laughs> uh... Luckily, I wasn't the one driving to the game, so uh, to make sure my mate was there on time, which it had led to us leaving a bit earlier, but um, we were okay. We had a, a pretty much uh, meal that was being a bit too long to be served, so we were getting a bit anxious when we were... <laughs> looking to arrive at the ground for about quarter past one, but uh, we, we just about managed it and everything was, uh, everything was in working order. And it was nice <laughs> to get home relatively early. I think I got home about half six, which I wouldn't normally do for an away game. So it was nice given the uh, the early kick-off time and uh, a relatively short journey to Northampton.
0: Yeah. Did you see anyone at halftime walking in sort of like, what the hell's going on here? Were there, were there, were there any name and shame them?
1: Sadly, not. I wish I did. That would have been very amusing. And, and <laughs> again, I wish I could make a joke that those that arrived late would have been uh, missing something important in the first half, but nothing really happened apart from a controversial disallowed goal. But uh, yeah, well, there was nothing really that you would have missed if you did arrive uh, 45 minutes late, but sadly, no one did.
0: Sure. Okay, then let's let's talk about the lineup. There was a formation change this week. What a cotton goal! Obviously, it was a three central defenders in Critchlow, Conroy, and O'Donnel. Then slightly ahead of them was Kessler, Hayden, and Iandolo. With Williams joining, Reed is defensive midfielders. Then you had in a in an attacking midfield role, Payne and Gilbert with Tyree Simpson up front on his own. And was he on his own or was I mean, we're going with a 3-4-2-1 here.
1: Yeah, I think there would have been a lot of confusion at 1 o'clock, not 2 o'clock, when the lineups were uh, announced. I think a lot of people, including myself, were expecting Bengana to stick with the 4-3-1 and maybe push uh, Kessler Hayden to right wing. But, um, yeah, he, he flummoxed a lot of people and, and diverted from his usual formation, but for three at the back, which did make sense of so Kessler Hayden and Ianderle as wing backs, but you never know what Ianderle is going to be. you ever be a centre mid or a wing back. But I think it was set up to be a perfect sort of away day performance, uh, get an early goal and then sort of hold on. And it, it nearly worked. He got an early goal in the second half and sadly they conceded late on. But um, yeah, I, I think generally Swindon set up pretty well and Simpson was was quite involved. He was actually quite isolated in the Stevenage game a few weeks back um, but it seems that whatever happened at Northampton worked for him getting more involved in the game. The side of that did lead to a couple of mid-chances for Simpson.
0: Well, this was this was a good Northampton side that we were playing. They've started the season very well. Not many teams that we've played so far this season are above us in the table, Port Vale being one of them. Um, before I forget, I need to sort of give a shout-out to Ale koiki formerly of Swindon Town, because... By all accounts, he was the best player on the pitch.
1: Yeah, he got the Man of the Match award from the Northampton sponsors. I'm not sure he would observe it. It's hard to get a good gauge of a match when you're behind the goal. It's never really something I enjoy. I've always been someone that goes to the football to try and find out what's going on rather than the experience of it. So I'd much rather sit in uh, uh, one of the side stands rather than behind the goal. But uh, yeah, he did get Man of the Match and it surprised me because I didn't really notice him much. And... Uh, Kessel Hayden seems to be getting a decent amount of joy down the right-hand side, but one of left, where Corky was playing at left-back. But um, yeah, if they played to him, whatever he did do, he uh, impressed the sponsors enough to get a man on the match. So I hope he enjoys his, uh, his post-match champagne.
0: There we go. So we've given a shout-out to Corky there, who, who played very well. But let's talk about Swindon. So what was Swindon trying to do early on?
1: I think it was more about containment and waiting for gaps to appear in hit of Fompton on the break. And sadly, there wasn't much that was going on in the early couple of... Couple of minutes, and they certainly needed that wake-up call with this loud guard that we'll get onto later to sort of spark them into life a bit. Which is certainly, which is certainly did do, but I think the opening exchanges were, were pretty tame, to be honest. And just waiting for Northampton to, to do something first, and to exploit with the pace of Castle uh, Hayden and uh, and Gilbert and uh, Etel. Are there any
0: concerns in the first half at the moment in terms of, in terms of our attacking threat? Because not much is really going on. And following following the game from afar, which is what I'm doing, you know, you guys are at the game, and I wish I was, but I'm not. But when you're following it from afar, just the pattern over the last six or seven games feels almost identical. In fact, almost every game since Scunthorpe, it's played out in a similar fashion, I would feel, um, where we put the ball around quite well, we look all right, but we're just not doing anything with it. Is, is that a fair assumption? I mean, I'm going on the basis of what people are saying, but is, is that fair?
1: I, I think home games especially, it's a lot of uh opposition teams coming to the counter ground and sticking 10 men behind the ball and Swindon will pass it happily as much as they want, waiting for space. I think it's more... If I am, I'm going to be lazy and compare it to past winning teams to make this a bit more recognisable, I'd certainly compare it more to Mark Cooper and Nick Williams and Richie Wellens. It's, it's very much a patient, just knocking it around for ages, waiting for the space and tippy-tappy, if I'm going to use a, an awful phrase, rather than Wellens, which is a lot more aggressive, and rather than Sheridan, which is just bad, frankly. Um, this is definitely one for the school of thought of people who will look at a possession start and start to say like 75% in Spindle's favour and be like, it's, it's OK having the ball, but if you can't do anything with it... Um, it's just a lot of Swindon playing and waiting for opportunities to come, and and they annoyingly they rarely do. And when they do, Tyree Simpson will have a bad first touch, or Harry McCurdy will go on a run and cross it to the first man, or, or whatever it is. So, or you know Ben Ben will over hits a pass. So it's definitely patient, and it will be frustrating. I think there'll be a lot of home games where. The unfashionable teams in League Two will will grind out for a point or maybe even nick one um, from a corner or something like we've seen with Port Vale and and, and teams like that. So I think it's going to be frustrating for a lot of people and certainly in the away games as well. Swindon have been willing to to pass it around and and it it does lead to a lot of chance of forwards in a West Country accent, which I've not missed about uh, fans being away from grounds, but that's certainly back. Um, so I think it's going to be a f- frustrating Swindon team, but it's, it's one that will try to be appealing. And occasionally, we will see, you know, brilliant goals that like we did with Tyree Simpson last week, where it's, it's it come from a lovely passing move and a square ball, and there's there for a tap in. But I think a lot of the time, it is going to frustrate people with just waiting for Swindon to do something when they're waiting for gaps to appear.
0: <laughs> one one goal I think we've scored in the first half in the league this season so far, um, which you know might mean absolutely nothing but it's it's quite an unusual it's... stat <laughs> after after uh, eight games isn't it
1: well not that you mention that i think that makes a lot of sense it, this seems to be a team that will wait for the opposition to get tired so it doesn't surprise me that swindon will score a lot of goals from like, I, again i don't know the stats behind this but like, maybe from the hour onwards and uh, hopefully a, a few late goals as well just because again swindon will pass them to death hopefully that'll lead to teams. Rather than sitting back completely, our to team trying to press Swindon and that tie themselves out. And then when gaps do appear in the last quarter of an hour or so, Swindon will punch from then. But yeah, it's going to be, I think it's hard to be too disparaging this team, given, as we all know, the, the summer that they've had. But I think it could be um, frustrating to watch a lot of the time just, just having them having the ball for like 75 minutes and then, you know, uh, either not finding a way through all your opposition scoring from the one chance they do get.
0: Yeah, when you're stood in the away game the last two weeks, um, Port Vale and Northampton, do you do you stand there during the game going, you know, we're going to get one in a minute, or like every game from afar always feels like this could go either way. You know, it's going to be a low scoring, you know, next goal wins sort of sort of vibe where both teams are sort of sparring with each other. Do you get a feeling feeling that Swindon are very much in this, um, but we need to take chances for the old cliche to come in?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. If someone doesn't go to that many ways, so But I think I, I generally, what happens to us, I feel a bit more helpless with the ways Because it just, it's, it's just a weird thing I get when I'm when I watch games away from home. You just can get. I, I can't really in, in, involve myself in this. Whereas home games, generally, there's, there's obviously a bigger crowd. So they they tend to get behind the team even more. When you generally feel that. To use a bad cliche that the, the you know the, the ground can sort of suck goals in because they're they're writing them on. Away games can feel like that towards the like the last 15 minutes, but in, until then you just feel a bit helpless and just waiting for them to do something. Whereas home games generally feel that eventually a goal will come, but sadly, like we have seen with port Vale, they will just hit two cracker jacks and that, that'll start the game. But yeah, certainly and um, a lot a lot of game are just waiting for Swindon to, to conjure something out of nothing really.
0: Yeah. Before the disallowed goal by Northampton, were there any other threats by either side?
1: I think the stand that would have been them hitting the bar quite early on from a free header. I think really should have scored. It's probably a very much a League Two header where you know levels above would would finish that. But a striker who f- finds himself in League Two for a reason, uh, Danny Rose is quite a good one. But I think. That's a header that he will not look back on for a lot of fondness. Was, I think it's a free header from six yards out that somehow hits the bar. But um apart from that, I can't remember Jojo or indeed Roberts doing much in that first half at all. Who
0: knew that Danny Rose was such a popular name?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there was a moment when um in the in the away when the teams were being announced by the uh, Northampton PA that they had Danny Rose and they thought that's all me had, but uh no, he is a Grimsby last time I checked and uh the, uh, the one in Northampton is very different and uh, scores a lot more goals than the one we had.
0: Yeah, I believe our Danny is uh, contracted with Grimsby, available for free, but at his age, I imagine he's more than happy just to sit on a, that deal. But I don't think he's playing any time soon for them. Well, that was, again, the last time I checked. So this disallowed goal, talk me through it. What what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably the right decision made by the Rough in the end. There's a free kick by Northampton, Critchlow has been hit off the ball when he is on the deck way before Northampton score. And then they cut it across goal and there's there's a, an easy tap in there. And the, the referee gives it for two minutes and the, a swarm of Swindon players go towards the referee and, and protest in what, what seems to be in vain. And then eventually the referee changes his mind. And I think the the, the right decision probably has been made because Critchler has been, you know, hit off the ball. But if I was a Northampton fan, I'll be absolutely livid that I've been allowed to. <laughs> That I've been allowed to celebrate for a good like two three minutes, and then the referees blown up for a free kick. I think once the referee has made a decision initially, he needs to stick with it, otherwise you end up getting the uh, the uproar that he did get from home fans. So, as a Bournemouth fan, I was obviously very relieved that we didn't go a goal down just before half time. But like I said, if I was an Northampton fan and I'd just been celebrating for two minutes, I'd be very annoyed that the ref has made a, a pretty cowardly decision to to buckle under the pressure of you know shouting Dion Conroy.
0: I was very, very surprised it was disallowed purely because, you know, BBC announced on social media that Northampton has scored. And there was, as you say, a huge delay between I I could have already broke several windows in rage (laughs) by the point that that was disallowed. I mean, it's, it's tough to call it either way um in the footage because it happens just off camera doesn't it he's he's, yeah, on, he's yeah. on the ground so i'm not going to commit that it was a fantastic decision by the referee but i'm certainly not going to um commit to it also saying that northampton have been hard done by it's 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 very much <laughs> not for us to say but it was just very surprising how long it took um for him like you said to make that decision a lot of criticism yet again for the officials especially in the first half Is that fair on
1: this occasion? I'm going to say no, again, like I did last week. It's another one where EFL referees will give a lot of 50-50s. Some will go in your favour. Sometimes they won't. I don't think there's... Again, um, like I said last week, there was not outrageous that apart from the goal, which I side with Northampton rather than Swindon. So if there are Swindon fans on the... uh, the, the fan corresponds I'm going to rest and I'm not going to add to that if, if, if anything Northampton should be curious because I would be at the uh the length of it took to to give that goal but apart from that nothing really stands out that was uh that was good or bad from the rest.
0: I thought Northampton fans were quite uh dignified in their uh <laughs> in their response on social media you know in the last couple of weeks we've had decisions namely you know Stevenage um where decisions gone our way very late on and boy you know they're they're Smaller fan base didn't have to make us n- n- hear about it. But this time, I think, um you know, it was what it was, I guess, if you fall to grave. Like you said, he fell, he fell to ground very, very early in the passage of play. Um, So imagine that that simmers outrage a little bit if you're not in the stadium when it happens. <clears throat> you know, we do these podcasts weekly and it's very hard to get a, a, a new angle on Swindon Town at the moment because these first halves are pretty much playing out as I've said already almost identically. It feels over the weeks at the moment, so it's very hard to get a new to get a new perspective. And I mean, is there anything else of note from that first half?
1: No, I hate to say I told you so, but I did say this last week. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't envy you. Um, I probably will regret coming back to the podcast and if I come back regularly I will regret it because I will be saying something every week of, of Swindon playing a lot of possession football without having much luck and waiting for the right opportunities and and yeah not a lot's going on in the first half so um I uh I do pray for you Connor uh <laughs> James and the rest to uh to come up with new fresh content every week because uh yeah it's not it's not easy
0: we're trying we really are <laughs> so it's again second half, no changes and no change of formation or anything like that because again three at the back. People aren't super, you know, on board with that at the moment. What, what's your take on the three on the three at the back?
1: I don't think it's something that Ghana will do regularly. I think he is pretty flexible with formations, but I think he will stick with four two three one whenever possible. But. Yeah, I think I think he does need to get fresh minutes into people and Gladburn probably needed a break, which is probably one of the reasons he did it and Rob Hunt being available and uh, unavailable and that that sort of thing. So I, I think we'll see a bit of flexibility from Garner, but I don't think it was anything too deeply to analyze. I think he again he would have done it because it was an away game and he would have been happy with a point, I think, and Northampton play a similar style and they're quite compact. So I'm not really surprised of him going through the back. And I think he just wanted to try something different because the 4 one has had sort of mixed results recently. So if anything, to keep Swindon more mildly interesting as uh, I'm on board with, but uh, certainly it didn't end in all three points.
0: No, and the opening exchanges of the uh, first half, was it was it very much Northampton on top before we scored or was Swindon dominant at, in, in, in that period of the play?
1: I think Swindon were were certainly better. They were certainly making more things happening. I think, again, to use another bad cliche, it was a game of two halves, but none of them were particularly um, eventful, but Northampton were sort of better in the first half and Swindon were better in the second and a draw was probably fair, but on the, on the balance of the second half alone, Swindon would have been annoyed that they conceded probably the, the one main chance that Northampton got, apart from Wallachot making a save from a corner, which is quite impressive. But um, yeah, neither keeper was particularly busy um, during the course of the 90 minutes, unfortunately.
0: And then Swindon scored. Hooray! Just a wide right here, about 30 yards out. That's a clever ball fed in behind Coeke. Gilbert's got this inside the box. Gilbert drags it across goal. Payne misses it. Comes to Simpson who can shoot, and Tyree Simpson sends Swindon into the lead. 11 minutes gone
1: in the second half. Right foot finish low into the corner in front of the travelling fans. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. But again, it's a it's a lovely passing move, and Gilbert is fortunate to get the assist. It's a, a cross that gets deflected into Simpson's path, but will certainly take it, especially given that Gilbert is young and and getting into this team and. He'll take any sort of uh, assists and goals he can get, given that he's he's playing his trade here and and learning the game in his first loan spell away from Brentford. So, yeah, a a lucky assist, but it was a a good goal. a goal. And like I said, this is going to be a a theme where Swindon will not do a lot for (laughs) a first half and then they will get the one opportunity and hopefully more often than not they'll score from it. Um, Simpson probably should have scored in the first half when he hit the bar and then he had chances later on that he probably should have buried as well. But at least he's got one to get a few... I would not say boo boys, but there are certainly a lot of people that get a bit frustrated with uh, his first touch and his movement and, and finishing. But certainly, as as we said last week, he's still a, a teenager from it, so he's still learning the game. So he'll be he'll be glad he's got one goal, but certainly based on chances later on and earlier on in the game, he's got some uh, some work to do.
0: Well, this is this is the point that I was going to next in regards to Tyree Simpson. The fact that the matter is he is edging ever closer to becoming a little bit of a Marmite player with Swindon in, in the sense that I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about this 19-year-old player on loan from Ipswich um, and and how he's going to grow into this role and get more goals. But there are, and there is, a slightly more impatient element of the fan base that just cannot forgive four or five chances where he should score just for that one goal, especially when we're not winning games. Um, Can you see that side of, of the argument, so to speak?
1: I'm sorry can. I think he's got a touch of the added bios about him that he he's quite a big lad that doesn't win a lot of headers. He's he's a, a big lad that certainly in the second half he's got a big one on one where a defender has sort of come under pressure and and managed to, to to put him off when a guy the size of him should really shrug him off and send him to you know near the advertising holdings, frankly. The, the the size of him. I think there's a touch of this is his first lone spell away, a spell away from episodes that I'm aware of and he's, he's still learning the game and maybe in a couple of years' time we'll see him in the Championship, with, like Adebayo, who is very... He wasn't awful, but certainly the fans didn't take to him given that he was, again, a, a big guy that didn't win a lot of headers and was quite worse in front of goal. And now he's scoring braces in the Championship pretty regularly after doing really well at Warsaw in League Two. So, yeah, he's a, he's a... I think I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter that just wait just wait, and he'll he'll come good and we'll, we'll, we'll probably see him in a couple of years' time doing stuff at high levels, like, like we have other players and sadly we're getting players at the beginning of their careers and we're probably going to see the best of Tyree Simpson away from Swindon in about five years' time.
0: In terms of the forward options, you know, we're, we're, we're going all in on Tyrese, which is fine, I'm OK with that and Ben Garner will tell us that there are other players in the squad that can play up front. And again, fans would like to see us dip into the free agent market to see what we can bring in. But that doesn't necessarily solve anything, does it? I mean, we're going to be moving towards bringing in players that could be weeks behind in fitness. Uh, So there's no quick fix to this other than players chipping in, not just relying on Tyrese to score more goals, but also more goals from midfield. Because it's it's a pretty attacking midfield, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think it's a a forward-thinking midfield that doesn't have a lot of end products. I think McCurley is certainly hit and miss, but I would agree with those that we do need to dip in, into the free agent market. Again, there is a problem, like you mentioned, uh, and like I said last week, because they are going to be like three weeks behind. They, have not, they wouldn't have had a preseason either. They've just been doing like stuff at home in the back garden. But I think Tyree Simpson will need help. I think, obviously, he's a he's a young lad and. South Gilbert has been brought on on loan, but we've already seen him the weekend, especially we've seen him on the wing. He, he, he said he can be a striker, but I think Garner will also use him as a winger. Um, we haven't seen much of Mitchell Lawson, but he clearly seems to be more of a winger as well. And, and indeed got caught off an hour yesterday um, on the wing. And and then you've also got, as annoying as it is, the EFL trophy where we've got play players you know, like Harry Parsons or Mitchell Lawson up front when I think even Harry Parsons is a winger as well. So we've got a lot of players that do similar things. We haven't got a, a, really an out-and-out striker as well as Simpson to help them out, who is just, you know, a, a young kid learning the game. So I would be getting sort of like a 25-year-old in the free agent if we if we can't find one. And that has the same problems, um, as you mentioned, like the lack of fitness. And, you know, anyone who hasn't been picked up in, in mid-September isn't going to be you know, a guaranteed goal scorer because he would have been signed already. But I think uh, Tyree Simpson is going to need help because there isn't an out-and-out striker to help to uh, to be back up and everyone who has been brought in is, is more of a winger. So, yeah, I'd definitely be looking at signing one or two in the free agent or getting another loan in January if, uh, if options become available for Ghana.
0: Is this the bit where we talk about XG?
1: It can be if you want. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm willing to to uh, talk about XG if you are.
0: We don't talk about stats enough on this podcast. Some people might go, "Well, please don't," and some might go, "You know, yes, more, please." But in the low strangers WhatsApp group, Dan sent the uh, the, the the table of expected goals, which sees us second bottom with only Oldham with a with a worse. Is it a worse record? Is that is that, is that <laughs> with, with with less? Um, expected goals yeah is this something that the club looks
1: at I think Ghana probably will I think I think if you ask many managers they look at XG they will tell you no because uh, you know they they don't want to really rate the quality of their strikers to, to the press but I think most clubs are pretty analytically minded now even ones that are quite backwards like Swindon can be but I think Ghana's Ghana's a pretty forward-thinking coach. He's he's a very modern coach and a young coach, and most of them are a pretty analytics-based now. And I think Palace very very much look at um you know the the underlying numbers to find out the best the best players, and Ghana's been brought up from that school. So I think quietly he probably does, and we'll look at that. But um, I think if you asked him, he'd probably say no. Mm,
0: okay. Well, you know, we we've been sidetracked on Swindon Town matters, which is fine because you know, given what this podcast is but there was about half an hour left to play and again from afar it felt like the rest of the game was just waiting for Northampton to score did it feel like that in the ground or were we largely in control did it feel like Northampton were going to get that equaliser
1: yes but I would have expected more in the first half um not the second The second was more comfortable I think with just frustration that not being able to cover the game off and especially the chance I mentioned earlier of, of Simpson being one-on-one and not quite scoring and there's a lot of uh, sort of crossed into the box. I didn't really see anything, and, and Gladwin had a shot that was blocked, and that sort of thing. Is I think if honestly, if you picked anyone to win, it would have been Swindon. But I think it was typical that a team that has struggled to defend set pieces a lot of the season and looked pretty shaky for them. On Saturday, and like I said, the, the main save that Morocco had to make came from came from a corner. I wasn't a massive surprise that if Northampton were going to score, it was going to be from a set piece, and and sadly it came, you know, pretty late on, about ten minutes left, and you know, a, a tall centre back has won it in the air and, and buried it, and sadly, so something can hold on for what would have been a pretty good away win.
0: Yeah, the later it is, the it's it's interesting how the narrative changes when uh, when we concede. So you know, things like. Simpsons one-on-one if we win the game people aren't talking about it are they and and yes it's it's, it's just one of those things but yeah um they did equalize and I mean the accusation is we should have someone on the fire post it's an ongoing concern isn't it these these set pieces I know some have some fans have alluded that it's we're not as bad at, at set pieces as maybe other fans say we are but you know it's happening, isn't it? Those those goals are going in via set pieces.
1: Yeah, I've I've got a huge problem with set pieces generally in, in terms of confirmation bias, and you normally you normally see what you believe when it comes to set pieces. So, you know, like the man on the posting, people will only notice it when you concede. There'll be plenty of times that swindle don't have a man on the post and don't concede, but the one time they do, people will be up and arms about it and that that sort of thing. So it is they do look shaky from them, though. There's, there's been quite a few times when they've looked. A bit worried from set pieces, which I think I'd like Garner to pay a bit more attention to. He's again, it doesn't surprise me that he doesn't because he's a, a, a young coach. And again, the the mantra of set pieces being the be and end all tends to be from your know, Tony Pulis and Neil Warnock school of management rather than Ben Garner, Richie Wellens, et al. And, and we were awful at scoring them under Richie Wellens and uh, not so much defending. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Garner doesn't pay much attention, but he should probably start to because <laughs> there are teams at Northampton that have got you know a, a lot of hefty centre-backs and centre-mid that can cause problems and sadly they did it at the weekend.
0: Did either side look to try and win the game or did, did did the game just fall flat at 1-1 with both sides happy to take the point and move on?
1: I found it quite amusing that Swindon were trying to win it which is, which is obviously good. I would have expected normally you expect the away team to sit on the point and you know, they would have been disappointed but they normally away teams go you know oh, our phone we would not be able to hold on we'll, we'll take the point from here on in but Swindon certainly tried and when uh, when um, the Northampton keeper caught crosses or went out for goal kicks he was time wasting, which I thought very very, very amusing that you know, Northampton or certainly he was um, happy to take a point and have to Swindon, which is a uh, if I was a Northampton fan I'd be quite annoyed at that because Swindon are far from uh, you know a, a big contender. In League Two, let alone English football, currently, so I would certainly be wanting Northampton to, to keep going and try and win it. And certainly, a lot of the fans were urging the keeper forwards when he was uh, falling on the ball, when he was claiming crosses and stuff. But Northampton clearly were happy to take a point, and <laughs> Swindon were looking for free. But sadly, only one team was, was happy with that in the end.
0: You know, we're going to get to the uh, the listeners' feedback in a moment, but the the overwhelming consensus here is a point was fair.
1: Yeah, I think many were taking it pre-kick-off in Northampton were third at the time of the time of the game so as much as you can't really read too much into the opening what, six, seven weeks of the season I think you know Northampton is never a nice place to go really Swindon do have some nice memories of Northampton of course and De Canio and, and Leiden but uh, Northampton is one of those grounds where you just a point season enough and, and like I said it was seventh versus third I think going into it so uh, a point was fair and on the balance of play I think it was fair as well and Northampton had a few chances then had the better ones but uh you know, the you know, one of those one of those days to use another third cliche. That's my that's my fair one on the road now. That's that's really bad, but uh, I, one of those days.
0: I think we I think the podcast highlights cliches way more than we should. <laughs> we should we should just go with it and not worry. I blame that <laughs> I blame that Adam Hurry podcast. It's just put a magnifying glass on all things football cliches these days, but we just have to embrace it. It's it's not our fault. Um <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, Ben. It's been it's been a long weekend. Um, we're recording on Sunday evening. I have a, a six year old who's not sleeping, and a, and a close to be one year old that really doesn't want to sleep tonight either. So it, it it's the vibe of this pod feels a little bit downbeat. And apologies for it. So <laughs> <laughs> so give me some positives without talking about the man of the match because we'll talk about that in just a moment. Who really stood out for Swindon again today?
1: I will say for making a couple of key saves, which is what wallacott does. He's It's, it's quite an end to have a lot of chances to really finish him off. And then we need Wallacott to bail us out every couple of every couple of games. But uh, I think he was good. I don't think there was a real standout in terms of individual. I think it was more of a, a collective team effort that did quite well. But Simpson was a headache and just annoying that it's one of those games that you're happy that he's involved but a lot of people will be annoyed that he's missing like two pretty big chances so whether you call him having a good afternoon in terms of scoring a goal and being a headache to a or he had a bad game because he missed two two gross opportunities it depends how how you are as a fan and and Gilbert was was quite useful and Williams was also good but again it's a shame that Williams either starts and comes off with 20 minutes left or is on the bench and comes on with 20 minutes to go he's a the 17th minute is always uh, something to be uh, worried about with Williams. But sadly, the, the way he is, he can only complete that amount of time. And he was good and would have been nice to have him for the whole 90. But sadly, uh, the, the, the state of Williams means he has to come off with 20 minutes left. And is there any bigger
0: picture positives just other than like, individual performances? Is, is there something that you observed during this game that you, you think, you know what, well, we're going to be we're going to do well, we're going to be OK? Anything from the bigger picture side of things?
1: I think it's just a case of results being pretty good. I mean, you normally would have expected Swindon to, although they did concede ten minutes um, before the end. A Swindon team in the past will will collapse. I think this, this Ghana team, as much as it can be frustrating to not break teams down sufficiently, they are quite tough to beat as well. So they're not real not real pushovers. And I think I think we're tenth for the time of recording. That's a pretty, pretty good. Pretty good bearing of what the season is, and they've got work to do to to get up the table. But they're not going to be near the bottom like a lot of people would have feared about three months ago. So, and there's a lot of very bad teams in League Two: Oldham, Bristol Rovers, and um, Stevenage. So, I think they're going to be okay at that end as well. And I think we'll probably peter out to a, a decent table finish if we don't get a decent striker or or more creative players that can find that killer ball. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what, any any concerns? I mean, again, I can only sort of read around, make notes, see what people are saying. Echo chambers are often far louder than the reality of the situation. I want I want to just talk about a couple of our lone players who earned who earned rave reviews early on, and we're still very early. Don't get me wrong here, Ben. So Kessler, Hayden, and Critchlow, their performances early on aren't quite as well, the performances now aren't quite as good as they were at the moment. Is, is there any concern there?
1: Yeah, Kritzer is a bit hit and miss. I think he, when I most in the home games, I've seen him. He seemed a bit shaky. I think I mentioned it um, last week that I wasn't particularly impressed, especially if he's only been ten minutes. But uh, I think Germany's been pretty good. He did very well to fall over yesterday. That was very important for him to fall over <laughs> and touch his face. That starts Two points at least. Um, and Castle and Hayden, again, really, really impressive at the start. I think he's got a bit, I don't know if ties were, the word, but certainly he's coming back from international duty. He's been a bit off. It. Maybe he just played too many games recently for, you know, a 19, 20-year-old whatever it is. And international um, will, will always, you know, make his head turn a bit. And maybe he'll be looking at um future things rather than Swindon. But um, he certainly drops off a bit, but I think he'll be fine. And like I said last week, I think we just... A lot of them just need help in terms of one, they're young and two, there's no debt available. So when, when you know, Kessel Hayden goes away with that Jitti or you've really got his Rob Hunt and then he's injured a fair bit and there's nothing beyond that from right back. So I think a lot of them are just uh, are playing a lot of minutes um, and a lot of young bodies as well. So they're not going to be able to take 90 minutes on a, on a regular basis.
0: Irrelevant observation here. Uh, Critchlow is slowly becoming a... More incorrectly spelled surname than Iandalo.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I keep forgetting whether it has a T or not, and I think it doesn't have a T, but it I've doesn't. certainly put a T in it, um, uh, more, more than once, so I'm guilty of that as much as anyone, but uh, yeah, people are still not being able to say Iandalo correctly, which does, does infuriate me. And uh, he's been here like a decade now, and people are still say Landalo, so um, I, I think uh. Critchlow is more understandable but I need to remember <laughs> and other people, other people need to remember there's no T in it so um, but please learn my for God's sake
0: The T the, the is the big offender some people like to dip a nice little E at the end of Critchlow but i got to be honest I think I think the correct spelling does have a T or the traditional <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure it does
3: Hi I'm Colin
0: Calderwood and welcome to the Loathe Strangers podcast Right that's get some listeners' contributions thanks to those who sent stuff in, starting with Okus Road who says, Conroy, man of the match. The problem is we are too predictable playing across the back left to right, then too slow to attack. Speed up and we will beat teams. Matt says, good point away from home. Simpson had four great chances. Northampton main threat was via set pieces and we never picked up the number three, who had the freedom of our left, Reed was man of the match. Worked so hard in the middle on his own for 90 minutes. Merryman P says two outstanding players were Jojo again and Payne. Think we are a little naive at the back. We are trying to play good football. We seem to have a championship style of play in League Two. Fans amazing yet again. Other teams proper tinpot. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> says great game to watch fits and starts for us but probably the right result both sides played well mr jason called it a fair result we invite too much pressure and think critchlow has had a couple of poor games now so needs a rest for the next game man of the match was either simpson or Dion conroy Ricky Rickett says, fair result and a point we would have taken at five minutes to one. And that does sound quite weird, doesn't it? Conroy, outstanding. Simpson worked his socks off, just needs composure. And pain. Look back to his best. Also great to see fans thanking stewards afterwards and stewards wishing safe travels, which is better. And of course, turning on the guy who threw the bottle was great to see. Richard Ferris says, we need to find a way to get the ball in the box. Mix it up a little. Go direct. Oh, and defend set pieces. Apart from that, Rob goes with, undoubtedly, a work in progress. Captain's performance from Conroy today. Last-ditch tackles, incisive passes, controlling tempo, a class player. Pete Marsh says it's hard to call a man of the match because there were a lot of solid sevens. Conroy shaded it for him. Koike, best player on the park for the equaliser players at posts question mark ben nichols observes only scored more than once this season once that's a problem Stephen pc says seem to have lost the passing momentum that we showed in the first few games too many long diagonals which don't make the man simpson was lively and should have had a hat trick but man of the match jojo wallacott a solid performance again Mr. Good says Simpson was superb. On another day, he would have walked away with a hat trick. Special mention for JoJo. Another big save again. Moonraker simply says Conroy, man of the match. Wardy S says fair result on balance. Simpson had a good game. Conroy. My man of the match, full of composure, just need to take our chances and make good use of the parts of the game where we are in control. Would like to see Gilbert alongside Simpson up front to take some pressure off him for 90 minutes. Paul Temple finally says, good possession, frustrating at times when we are trying to be too clever. We still need to learn on the physical side and not bring on set-piece pressure by giving corners and free kicks." Odomeo was solid today as man of the match. Simpson would have been an obvious candidate, but he could do better on converting. So I think, I I, I don't think we've done an episode before where, you know, what we've discussed has been pretty much completely reflected within the listeners' contributions. It's all there. Style of play is, is something that's been mentioned here where we just, maybe just get this feeling that we need to be a bit more ruthless um, when attacking in order to score more goals. Ben Nichols highlighted there that we've only scored more than one in a game once and that was on the opening day of the season at Scunthorpe. Every other game um, we've we've just, if we have scored, we've scored the single goal which is quite the run. I think now that is the fifth game in a row where we have scored one goal. So I, I guess we're just going to have to trust Ghana um, to ensure that this team will will start sort of clicking. Because I, I, I don't think it's about, like, bonding. I don't think it's now about style of play. I just, I just do get this feeling now that, you know, this squad is now season ready. It, we don't need to say, well, they only had a, you know, five-minute pre-season anymore. I think they're there. It's just that we need to be more clinical.
1: Yeah, it's just turning over old ground that we've got a young striker who is not is far from the, the finished product yet. So he's not going to be, you know, a, a 30 goal a season Owen Doyle striker, which which is what Swindon would be would be needing right now, like a Nicky Jokes or Owen Doyle, who just need one chance to score a goal is what Swindon need. Where whereas Simpson needs three or four, and he's not going to get three or four at this level, so. Um, yeah, I think just a, a more street-savvy striker that's not quite so as Rorah Simpson War will probably lead to Swinton jumping up the table, but it is what it is, I think. That's <laughs> what yeah. Estes as more famously said.
0: Oh, bless you, Ben. Bless you. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess, you know, like one of the contributors said, you know, it was a lot of seven out of ten. Uh, performances in there and that's reflected in the amount of shout outs one two three four five six players at least um were mentioned in terms of best player on the pitch for swindon but dion conroy is the listeners man of the match who gets the podcast one ben no pressure
1: I I'm really struggling as well because I, I agree with the comment. That it's a lot of seven out of ten. And I do think it was more of a team collective rather than any particular standout. I'm happy to go with Conroy because he looked okay at the back, and as long as it wasn't him that was beat for the, uh, the the header, the that's that's fine but me. I haven't really seen the, the goal back to it was
0: Odemeo. It was like, Odemeo. Yeah, fine,
1: fine. So Ak gets a two, and then joking. No, I'm I'm happy to go with Dion because he was uh, spraying some good balls up to the wing uh, which led to chances and uh, yeah he looked pretty solid defensively like I said he wasn't being for the uh, the header so that's uh, that's fine by me.
0: We're going double D on. <laughs> We're going double D on. Okay, cool. So again we've got no games in midweek so it's another chance for Swindon to regroup. We've got Colchester coming up which is it, they're an odd team, Colchester. I mean, in the Richie Wellen season, obviously they they tonked us three times. Um, they've started so so. You know, they've got a game in hand on Swindon, and their form is pretty much depending on what they do with their game in hand. Their their start of the season, if they win, is is identical to ours. So it, it should be another close encounter. What what would you do with this Swindon side? I mean, are you we just. Sticking, I mean he's gonna to stick to the formula, but is there anything that you would like Ghana to, you know, if you if you've had them for the next five days, is there anything that you would want to try out to see if we can get more out of them?
1: If I had them for the next five days, I would do a classic foot manager and just leave it all to my assistant because uh wherever I can teach them will not be good. So uh but if, if I was genuinely credible at management, which again I'm not, but I'd probably just focus on uh through ball training to make sure that they can find the gaps in the cultural defence because they'll build another team that will probably come here and, and play for the draw. So work on just playing through balls constantly so they can find those gaps and then hoping and praying that Simpson can, uh, can finish one or two of the uh, the three or four chances that he gets.
0: Yeah. So, we, so your, your answer in an ideal situation, you'll leave it to Scott Marshall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Lindsay um, Scott Marshall's a funny one for me because uh I hadn't thought of Scott Marshall since he was an Arsenal player in the 90s and when he signed I was like, oh an... and when you see a picture it's like oh, he doesn't look like what he looked like in 1995 isn't it? <laughs> so it was quite the shock that anyway. I,
1: have, I have taken to the Premier League on multiple occasions on foot manager by just turning off the press conferences picking the 11 and leaving everything else to my assistant so uh, if it's not broke don't fix it
0: You're an absolute fraud Ben Wills <laughs>
1: It, it works though, so I'll stick on my CV.
0: You're playing a management simulation game, and you're and you still can't be bothered to do the job properly.
1: <laughs> it takes a special kind of person. I, I'm boring enough as it is. It takes a special kind of person to sit in detail, do training uh, drills on for under and, and set piece training as well. So uh, no, whoever my uh, regen assistant managers can do all that for me, and I'll, I'll pick the eleven and, and win three or four now every week.
0: Oh wow, okay, fine. I'll forgive you. That was lovely. Thank you,
1: Ben. Cheers, Rich. Good by Hayden,
0: and the Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on Swindon. <laughs>